Okay, we're carrying on our series looking at things Jesus said. And we're in the uh, Gospel of Matthew this morning. And we're at Matthew uh, chapter 18, verse 1 to 4. But don't worry if you don't have a Bible, uh, the words will be up on the screen. Okay. So I'm going to read this passage and uh, then we're going to get into it. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. You are amongst us this morning by your spirit. Thank you that you reign and that you are in charge. Thank you that we can know your presence, know your love. We can know that you have come into our lives. And I pray as we look at this text this morning, help us to understand what you meant for your disciples, but also what you mean for us. And how, by the Spirit, we are to respond and to encounter you in these verses. Please help us this morning, I pray, Jesus. We don't just want wise words or good advice, but actually to hear your voice in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Okay. This morning, we are talking about humility. See, humility is not just you know, being good at something but pretending you're not very good at it, really. Or, uh, or being good at something but just not being very big-headed about it. Or um, never, never really being sure of something. You know, people who say, oh, he's very humble. He, he believes what he believes, but he's really not very sure. It's, that's not what humility is about. So we're going to look at what Jesus is teaching his disciples this morning. But also, not just for what Jesus was teaching his disciples, but what Jesus is teaching to anyone who follows him. See, Jesus has been teaching his disciples about a kingdom. The kingdom is near. The kingdom's at hand. Hey, you're encountering the kingdom, Jesus says, as you encounter the king. This is this new reality that the disciples are entering into where Jesus is king. A new life with him. A new community of people living in this kingdom. And then they ask Jesus a question. And the question is this. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Is what they ask him. And I've got four points I want to draw out of this morning. Uh, for us to uh, focus on. 
Firstly, if we're to understand what Jesus is teaching, we need a right understanding of greatness. We need an acceptance of God's rule and goodness. We need a humble attitude to others. And finally, we need a response to true greatness. Not very catchy headings, but there we go. That's what we're looking at this morning. So, firstly, we need a right understanding of greatness. Okay, so they've asked this question to Jesus. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? See, Mark's gospel, when Mark records this account, he gives us a little bit more information so we can get behind why they're asking this question. It's an argument. The disciples are having an argument about who was the greatest. You see, people will argue about all sorts of things. I'll argue about all sorts of things. I can argue with you that Portsmouth Football Club should not be second from bottom of League One. I can. They really shouldn't. It's a travesty. And they shouldn't be there. I can argue with you that a doner kebab is a real meal. That counts as a proper meal. Does anybody agree? It does. A kebab, you've got salad, you've got some bread, and you've got some meat. That counts. I can argue with you that PCs are better than Macs. I can. I get lost with Macs. I want to press the right button, and I can't do it. I want to do things that I can do, but it won't let me. I'm going to get lots of flack for that point. But we can argue about that. Do you know, these are just silly things, aren't they? We can argue about silly little things. You know, perhaps this argument the disciples have is a silly thing. But actually, it shows something deeper. It shows what was going on in their hearts. They're they're arguing about who is the greatest. But get this, okay? They're Jesus' disciples, they're Jesus' friends, they're hanging out with Jesus. And they're arguing about who is the greatest out of them. Let me just say that again. They're hanging around with Jesus and they're arguing about who is the greatest out of them. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him cast demons. They've seen him feed thousands. They've seen him walk on water and they're arguing. Do you know, maybe we do that sometimes. Maybe it doesn't come out in the form of an argument. Maybe it's just in our thoughts as we compare ourselves with others. You know, we become so self-absorbed in ourselves that we miss him. We miss Jesus. But notice this. Jesus doesn't say to them, stop wasting your time. Do you know, stop arguing about who's the greatest because only I'm the greatest. This is ridiculous. He doesn't tell them off for wanting to be great. But what he does is he redefines their understanding of true greatness. He shows them the kind of life that is important in God's sight. 
you know, there's a longing in us to make our lives count, isn't there? Perhaps you've got a longing in you to make, I want my life to be significant. I want it to count for something. I don't want to waste these 70, 80 or so years on this earth. I want it to count. You see, the Bible tells us to cultivate and develop the kind of life that is important in God's sight. Paul writes in Romans 12, he writes this, Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other ways, in other ways your lives, my life, our lives, the way we live, is meant to be, can be, worship, spiritual worship to Jesus. And you see, what does Jesus use to get this point across? What, in this story, what does he use? He uses an illustration. What does he use? A child, yes. Well done, you're listening. A child. Hey, do you know, this is a very very radical statement that Jesus is making by using a child. It is more radical than we understand. See, sometimes we put on our uh, 21st century glasses and we read this and we go, and Jesus brought a child into the midst of them and they probably went, yes, oh yeah, that's lovely. Do you know? No, they wouldn't have. See, in first century Palestine, Jesus, uh, children were seen in a very, very different light than today. Not like today, where quite rightly we have an emphasis on safeguarding our children, protecting our children. We have an emphasis on creating a positive, healthy environment for our children, which is absolutely right. But actually in this context, in Jesus' society, children were of little or no importance They were to be looked after, but really, to be looked up to? That's crazy. See, Tom Wright, uh, the ex-bishop of Durham, goes even further than, than this. He says that children, in his commentary on Matthew, he says, children really didn't have any status, very little status at the time. And in fact, he says, they were known as its, rather than see he's or she's, up until their early teens. They were just known as its. And it's with this child that Jesus says, do you know, come and see real greatness. So for Jesus to say, if you want to to know true greatness, you need to become like this child here, is absolutely outrageous. See, we often want to display our greatness over others, don't we? I know this isn't just a man thing. I know this is a woman thing as well. We want to display our greatness over each other. I want to display my greatness about spicy food. Anyone from the Middle East or uh, from Eritrea is probably kind of thinking, why? Because all our food is spicy and tasty. But do you know, as an English man, I want to eat spicy food to show other men I can eat spicy food. I want to eat spicy food to show Raj that I can keep up with him in spicy food. But I can't. 
I really can't. But I want to try. I want to display my greatness. Or maybe it's in technology. I want to, maybe you want to, have the gadget. This is the latest technology. This is the latest phone, the latest tablet, the latest whatever. I want to display my greatness. That's often what our society thinks. But also, and perhaps maybe more seriously, perhaps we want to display it through career, education, family, success, wealth. Or maybe something we do in the church. Maybe our gifts. Maybe our church backgrounds. Maybe sometimes we use these things to display our greatness. But here's the deal God is not impressed, He's really not. You see, greatness in his sight is accepting the status of a child. See, Jesus in this passage is not saying, if you want to know me, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, if you want to know all that means, you need to behave like a child. He's not saying that. He's not even saying you need to have childlike faith. Not in this passage. He's talking about the status that children had, taking on the status of humility and weakness. See, an attitude that says, do you know, life is not all about me. It's not about delighting in my achievements and my strength and my self-promotion. It's about Jesus. It's about recognising my weaknesses, but rejoicing in his great achievements and wanting him to get all the attention. See, that's what we do in worship, isn't it? We really do. We rejoice in all his achievements. It was fantastic this morning. Just rejoicing in who Jesus is. What he's achieved. How he loves us. How he's for us. And wanting him to get the attention. Rather than rank, position, humility is putting others first. Do you know, I'm going to put others first before me do you know I don't I don't pretend to have all this completely sorted in my life and I'm aware as I preach I kind of become so aware of my weaknesses in these areas but do you know the more I see Jesus for who he is the more I'm changed the more I'm changed to be the humble child of God that he's made me to be and do you know the same is true for you The more you see Jesus for who he is, the more you are changed to be the child of God he's made you to be. See, it's a journey. It's a journey. Peter was there listening to this story. Listening to this. This is Peter who kind of went, oh, you know, everyone else will let you down, Jesus, but I won't. It's a journey because eventually we find out Peter writing one of his letters later on in the... um, in the Bible, he writes in 1 Peter 5, he writes this, he gets it and he says this, clothe yourselves with humility, uh, sorry, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
Peter got it. So Jesus radically defines, redefines our understanding of greatness. But secondly, secondly, we need an understanding, a re-understanding of greatness, but we need an acceptance of God's rule and goodness. See, I kind of said earlier on what humility isn't, but what is it then? See, biblical humility is very different to how we understand it. It's about how we view God. Humility sees that in Jesus' kingdom, he's king. He's in charge. He has his rightful place as king. See, the enemy of humility is pride. As Peter wrote, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Here's a useful description of pride uh, from one 19th century preacher. He says this, Pride is contending for supremacy with God. I really like that. Pride is contending for supremacy with God. In other words, to be put simpler, every time I'm proud, I'm seeking to lift God a little lower and me a little higher. See, pride, pride says, do you know, Father, everything I have isn't from you. It doesn't come from you. Actually, a little's from me. Maybe quite a lot from me. Pride doesn't say, do you know, God, you're in charge and I'm so thankful you are. Pride says, do you know, God, I think I can do a better job than you. I think I can handle this without you. See, Jesus wants his disciples to understand the seriousness of this pride. He says, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. See, humility is, it's the way we become Christians. It's the way we enter into this kingdom. It's the way we uh, receive Jesus humbly. But also, it's the way we experience the fullness of this kingdom he's brought us into. This passage isn't simply about If you want to get to heaven, be like this. No, no, it's not. It's if you want to experience the fullness of kingdom life that I'm bringing you into, you need to come as little children in humility, says Jesus. See, Jesus' words are the kindness and grace to his disciples. Do you know, they really are. He sees the seriousness of the pride, but his words are grace and kindness to his disciples. And do you know, they're grace and kindness to us too. As we read them 2,000 years later. See, true greatness accepts and delights in the fact that God's supreme. He's in charge. Nothing is out of his control. Do you remember Raj talking about authority last week? All of that is so, so important. And you know, we really must deal with pride in our own lives and in the church. Here's some examples just to make you kind of think. Sometimes we can think, do you know, I think I'm special to God because things in life are going well. But hey, I must be special to God because God really needs my gifts. He really needs me. Hey, God would be crazy not to have me as part of his family because I'm pretty special. Hey, things wouldn't be going so well without me. Sometimes we can think like that. Or maybe we think, hey, do you know, we're special as a church. We do things properly here, you know. Do you know, we have lively music. And uh, 
and the, uh, the preachers don't tuck their shirts in. You know, we, we've got the formula right. Paul does, yes. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. Some preachers don't tuck their shirts in. And, uh, you know, it's very relaxed. And, and, you know, we've got the formula right. Do you know, God must bless us. We've got everything down to a T. We've earned it. We've got it right. No, that's hitting pride. Do you know, if we know any success, any achievement, any blessing of God in our church life, do you know it's because of him? It's because of his grace. It's because of his kindness. You know, church is not a formula. We get it wrong when we think it is. It's about relationship with Jesus and simple obedience to his word. See, we never grow out of humility into self-sufficiency. Do you know, our lives, this church, will always depend on the grace and love of Christ. Unmerited, undeserved, unlimited grace. Do you know, we truly believe as elders, and we've been praying about this quite a lot recently, we believe that God is calling us to great things in 2013. We believe God is calling us to more. Do you know, we believe that not just for us, we believe that for churches across Teesside. That God is calling us to great things. But do you know, all that we are fruitful in, all that we see happen, won't be down to our intelligence, because there isn't too much. Uh, (laughs) It won't be down to our efforts. It won't be down to our creative thinking. It will be because of the grace of God. I'm not just saying, you know, we can ignore wisdom, we can ignore, we can just be ignorant and uh, we can be lazy and do whatever we like. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, you know, in his grace, he empowers us. He sends us. He enables us. And, you know, it's all to be reflected back to him in thankfulness. It really is. It's all because of him. So as I finish this point, my question is this. What areas in your life are you contending for supremacy with God? Where do you recognise yourself? Just making God a little lower and yourself a little higher in pride. Okay, thirdly, we need a humble attitude to others. See, the disciples really didn't get, still weren't getting the kingdom and what Jesus was teaching them at this point. Because they're thinking, right, okay, if the kingdom's coming, if the kingdom's here, hey, right, we need to be start fighting for position. We need to start negotiating for position. Who gets the, you know, how James and John talk about who gets the left hand, who gets the right side. Um, we need to start fighting for position. That's what they were thinking. But you know, they had to learn greatness was not about competing with one another for status and power. Humility must affect our relationships with those around us, in families, in our parenting, in our friendships. You know, these are meant to be marked out by humility. 
See, life in Jesus' kingdom is not simply, I'll show some humility on a Sunday morning and maybe in community group, but that's it. No, it's meant for the whole of our lives, all through our lives, every situation. How about when you're with your friends? Is it all about you? Does every conversation have to centre on you as a centre of attention? Or do you have genuine concern for those that are around you? Hey, can you rejoice and celebrate in the achievement of others? Or do you just think, do you know, I could do that better. I should be doing that better. You know, pride makes this very hard to celebrate in the achievements of those around us. How about your work? If you work, is it all about you? Is it, it's all about me and what I can get and to make sure that I'm always okay? Or do people say, do you know, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. It's not just about them. But no, that humility doesn't mean you never take promotions, you never try hard at work, you never seek for achieving at work. It doesn't. Do you know, we believe God is calling more people into education and into local government and into business and uh, into colleges and into places of significant um, influence. But how you walk in that is really important. Will it be the proud road that says, do you know, it all comes down to me and it's all because of me. I did it all. Or will it be the humble road that says, do you know, any success I know in business, in my job, in education, it's because of his grace and his kindness. And, you know, I'm going to give him all the attention because of it. Let me just, for a minute, speak to uh, leaders or aspiring leaders amongst us. Do you know, leadership doesn't seek position and status. It doesn't lead to make others, to make ourselves feel more superior than others, than the people it leads. Do you know, I've got time for a story, haven't I? Um, I remember... uh, the first time I came across uh, Terry Virgo, who leads, who, who really is the father, really, of, of our family of churches, uh, really the father of New Frontiers. And uh, it was just before I moved to this church, actually, um, about 10 years or so. And uh, I was with a friend at a, a, a New Frontiers event. And my friend knew that we were moving down here. He said, let me come and introduce you to someone from Jubilee, because there was someone from Jubilee at this event in Newcastle. He said, let me come and introduce you to someone from Jubilee. It'd be good for you to meet them, certainly before you you decide to move down there. So we we wandered up to this person who was from Jubilee, and uh, we waited just so we could get an an opportunity to speak to them, because they were having another conversation. So me and my friend were standing waiting. And Terry Virgo, who had been speaking at this event, came over. And he knew, my, he knew the friend that I was standing next to. He came over, he bounced over. Hi, oh, how are you? He said to my friend, oh, it's really nice to see you. How are you doing? My friend said, sorry, uh, I just want to introduce Simon to uh, this person from Jubilee. If you could just hold on, Terry. And uh, Terry went, 
okay, that's great. Okay, I'll catch up with you later. And, uh, and walked away and came back later on. And do you know, I was amazed and impacted by Terry's humility. It wasn't, but don't you know who I am? But don't you know I'm so important? Don't you know that your friend Simon can speak to someone from Jubilee another time? I've come over to speak to you. I was amazed by this guy's humility. And it it impacted me as a leader. I thought, you know, I want to walk the humble walk in my life as in in any leadership role I take. Do you want to be great in your leadership? Or do you want to be great in aspiring to leadership? Do you know, seek to serve those you lead. Seek to encourage and build up those you lead. Don't seek for yourself to look great, but help those you lead to grow and excel in their gifts and in how they serve Jesus. You know, that's not to say I've got it all perfect in the way I lead, or as elders and as leaders, we've got it all perfect in the way we lead. Do you know, we won't always get it right. Leaders don't, you'll find. But let me encourage you if you're a leader, if you're an aspiring leader, make sure, make sure you're serving with humility, understanding that this is true greatness. Jesus holds out what is true greatness. Understanding that, do you know, God's in charge, it's his rule, his goodness. And having a humble attitude to others around you and who you lead. Okay, some top tips for developing humility. I know some people like lists and some people are kind of going, I want a list, I want some practical things to do. So I thought that might help. Uh, Here's some tips to developing humility in your life. Now, again, I must stress, I'm so aware as I preach of my weakness in this area. And maybe you are, as, as I preach, you kind of go, oh yeah, that. So I'm not saying, this is me, I've got it all sorted. But I'm saying, hey, here are some tips as I've been preparing that might help you to develop humility in your life. Read about God, about who he is and what he is like. It was great having those two readings this morning, the ones from Psalms um, uh, and the, one, the Colossians one. You think, man, I get to see who God is. It's absolutely amazing. Read the Bible, read things about God and who God is, what God's big picture for all world history is. Read books about God. You know, there are some great books about there. I'll encourage you to use the library at Melbourne House. There's some great books there about who God is, the character of God. Number two, pray along the lines that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. I tell you what, you read the lines of the Lord's Prayer as he taught his disciples to pray. You can't be proud. It says, God, you're my father. Highlight your name. Hallowed be your name. Advance your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done, not mine. You know, forgive me because, you know, there's sin in my life. And don't let me be tempted. Do you know, you can't hang up, you can't kind of uh, entertain pride long when you're uh, praying those lines of the Lord's Prayer. Number three, serving the church, but not in a way to gain attention. Not in a way to lift you up and so that you can be 
look, so people can, you can say, oh, do you know, people now think I'm really important. No, serve in ways because it's worship. Learn to worship God in the way you serve, not to gain attention. And number four, keep being filled with the Spirit. Keep ensuring you're encountering the Spirit, walking the Spirit-filled life, being filled with the Spirit of Christ. Do you know, we're called not to live a life in our strength, in our efforts, but life in the Spirit. A dependence on Him. A dependence on Him every day. Okay, so there you go. But finally, we need to have a response to true greatness. And you know, this is my final point. And the danger is, sometimes we can see Jesus' teaching in this passage as just some good advice for moral living. Or we can see a list like I've just gone through and gone, okay, that's it. I just have to do these things, tick them off, and I'll be fine. But do you know, Jesus' teaching is always rooted in who he is and what his mission is. It is. So when he talks about avoiding pride, embracing humility, he's pointing to the cross. See, it's at the cross he humbled himself. At the cross, he was obedient to death. Uh, Obedient to God, the Father. At the cross, he died a death. We should have died. See, it's us that have lived proud lives. It's us that have been arrogant to God. You know, this is what the Bible calls sin. But Jesus, Jesus lived the lowly path. Jesus came to serve, not to demand status and power, but to serve. This is what Paul wrote to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in his very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father it's amazing and our lives then are meant to be a reflection of this a mirror if you like of his true greatness you see when we understand that when we understand what Jesus has achieved for us in his perfect life on the cross and in his resurrection we become very secure people it becomes less about How can I be greater than other people? How can I get to the top of the pile? No, no, we become very secure people when we see Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all for us.
See, we see it's all about him and not about us. And we become very secure in his achievements and who he is and in his life. Well, let's pray, I think, and respond this morning to Jesus. Why don't we stand for a minute? Let's come to him. Thank you, Lord. How could we ever earn greatness? When you've done it all for us. You've done it all. Let's just approach this Jesus and come to him and know he's done it all for us. (laughs) Just as Tom read from that psalm, as far as the east is from the west, so he's removed our transgressions from us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It's wonderful that our sin has been dealt with at the cross. And thank you, you didn't come not just simply to forgive us our sin, but to liberate us and free us from the power of sin and free us into new life. Free us into kingdom life. Free us into a life with you. And so, in response, we lay our pride down. And we humbly come in thanks and gratefulness to you. Thank you, Lord. Just just in your heart begin to thank him just begin to welcome his spirit as he moves amongst us and touches lives and hearts now this message isn't about just be more humble just try a bit harder to be humble it's as you See my son more, says God. You will be changed. As you see that he humbled himself and was obedient to death. And as you see his example, what he has achieved, you'll be changed says God thank you thank you for your grace thank you we cannot earn this but in your grace you love us because you love us and we're yours secure in the arms of our loving saviour 
Do you know, maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. Why don't you humble yourself before him today? Why don't you humble yourself before this Jesus who loves you, who wants to know you? Why don't you receive this gift of life he's offering out this morning? This gift of grace to you. And perhaps, perhaps for others here, perhaps we've been relying on things in life to earn God's favour. Perhaps we've been looking in the wrong place for greatness. They might have been good things, but we've relied on them, thinking that will make me great in God's sight. And perhaps it was to lift you up high and to lift Him a little lower in your eyes. Just come and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for when I've done that. I repent of that. And I, I come to you and I humbly trust in all you have achieved for me. And in your grace and your kindness. I don't really want to do a, a ministry thing where you bring people out, but just where you're at. God can minister to you and minister to me. One of the bands come out and I'd like us to respond in, in worship at the end. If the band could come out, but just for this moment, just keep our attention on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And so as a people, we choose to say... In your grace, in your mercy, in your kindness, fill us with your spirit, empower us to walk the humble road. This week, in our families and in our jobs and in our schools and in our universities and with our friends, Lord, let us be people empowered by the spirit, drawing on the grace of God to live lives that are great in your sight and bring honour and attention to you because you are so wonderful thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you you've called us to be people who are great in your sight Lord let's not be fooled by the world and how it thinks about greatness but be captivated by first and foremost your greatness and secondly how you call us to live that life out in humble worship and thankfulness to you thank you Lord